Welcome to I, We, He at OBC. I'm discipleship pastor Jason Barrow, and my wife Lori and I are so blessed because we always get to hear so many people's stories. And when we do, it's easier to see different pieces of the puzzle come together. You get a first-hand look at who God is and what He's doing in the lives of others. And hearing the stories of our brothers and sisters has really been encouraging and challenging to us, so we want you to hear them too. In today's episode, you'll hear Tabitha and Tyler Yates' story. They went from rehab to redeemed and from wherever the wind blows to being anchored in Christ. As you listen, we pray that your passion is ignited to love Jesus and everyone else. It's I, we, he, baby. Let's go. Our guests today are Tyler and Tabitha Yates. Uh, they've been married going on seven years, been at OBC IWE in about 10 years. Uh, two and a half years ago, Tab started part-time on our staff here as a member of the discipleship team, and she just celebrated her one-year full-time anniversary as the events and groups coordinator. Thank you guys for being on the podcast today. Glad to be here. Thanks so much for having us. All right, so you guys have got to tell us about this farm life season y'all are going through. Like, you could almost straight up live off the grid. True. <laughs> I've just said, like, we don't have a lot of acreage with a big farm and livestock other than chickens. You know, it's more like a, a micro homestead. It's a lot of reward that comes along with raising your own vegetables and, you know, raising chickens, getting eggs. We try to provide um, deer meat, burn our own wood. Any Anything self-sufficient comes with a little bit of a reward and satisfaction. Tyler, did you grow up that way on a farm? No, not at all. So that's another thing about the farm life season is, like, it's a learning process and... It's fun to figure all this stuff out as you go. That's another part of the reward is figuring out and then after trial and error, getting it right. And then, you know, seeing the fruits of the labor paying off. It's been really fun to watch him in farm life element, knowing that he grew up city boy. I grew up country girl, and I didn't really realize how city he was until we moved into this farmhouse, and I remember watching him walking around the yard thinking, man, he's really excited about this, and I I shared that with him, and he said, yeah, I mean, this is, this is the dream that I've had, like, having some land and getting to do your own stuff with it, and I'm like, oh, well, I took it for granted because... That was my life growing up. There's some entrepreneurial spirit budding at home. Tell us about that. Um, Ella just has this natural business mindset at 10 years old. And the business is called? Um, Ella's Crazy Coop. <laughs> yes. Life hadn't always been uh, the way it is now. Kind of take us back a little bit, sort of pre-Jesus days, man. What was uh, what was Tyler Yates like then? Man, the, the simplest way to sum it up is an uh, empty shell just totally hollow and it's funny you know growing up as a young man you're living in the world you try to act tough you try to act bold and you know but you're so consumed with fear and that you're so fear driven and I think that's what makes you try to act tough just totally consumed with fear and of course ego and pride and no humility two different times I I went to substance abuse rehab and I had so many different substances in my system. When I got there, they're like, look, because you're a, a poly substance abuser. You, you know, you're not just a this addict or that addict. You're an everything user. And I'm like, you got me. You know, you, this is what it is. And and the way that it was, honestly, is just, you know, whatever whatever it was, I just wanted more. You know, anything to just take me out of reality. What do you think? What what were you fear? What were your fears? Like, what do you think deep down you really feared? I think I was terrified that people would find out exactly who I was, mm. which wasn't as tough as I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tab, how about you? So I was this young. Firecracker, free-spirited. No, (laughs) not you. (laughs) Wherever the day takes me today, I'm going to sell this wind for as long as I can. And 
I would claim that as adventurous at the time, but it was very shallow, and I thought I was on this, like, grand treasure hunt through life to find the secret of life. Um, I was very much labeled as the one who thought the most positive and most optimistic of everyone in our friend circle. Um, But really deep down inside, there was a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And so that optimism tried to sell me above all of that. Um, I thought, well, if I could just think positive enough or I could just be happy enough for everybody around me and me, then things would be okay. And it was more um, just not wanting to be in touch with reality of what was really going on in my like life and heart and we scooted through power of positive thinking until that didn't work looking back i'm sure though you can look back at pre-jesus and just see god working um what when you when you think about those times you can see god's grace where looking back on it there were people that god had placed all around me who could really see there's more to the surface than what meets the eye and God's grace not leaving me alone not letting me just sail above the waters and scoot through with the secret of the power of positive thinking one in particular I had an English teacher in the 11th grade whose husband is actually on staff here um her name is Sandy Wiggins shout out Sandy Wiggins and Tom Wiggins uh, future podcast guest no pressure <laughs> And um, she was one of the ones who could see straight through that, that optimism. She could see through the optimism. She could tell there's more um, under the surface of everyday life. But the grace that she had, the compassion that she had, was different than um, others. You know, she, without even having to say anything, the way that she loved me and the way that she brought to my attention the fact that, hey, it's okay to not be okay in a way that reflected, not knowing then, looking back at it now, could see um, the Lord loving me through her in a way that nobody else had. And I was like, why is she loving me like this? Like, what? why is she investing so much in me? And now looking back at it can see that, oh, Lord, you were loving me through her and helping realign me um, into the the direction that you wanted me to through other people. Tyler, what about you? Was it a certain time or can you like, you know, name the day and time that you were changed? I remember specifically sitting on the couch one day and I was I was stoned out of my mind and and God gave me this crystal clear moment of clarity. And I had been hospitalized like four times in three months. Um, The eviction notice was about to get put on the door. The apartment I was living in and burnt every bridge with anybody who loved me in my life. And just feeling like I was at the end of the rope. And in that moment of clarity, God just gave me, he, he pressed the fast forward button and it was homeless, dead, or in jail. And those were three extremely real options. And I knew right then and there, because, you know, I had, I had tried to do it the best I could in my strength, and it didn't work out, and here I was again, wallowing in my sin. And, and I, I, knew, I knew what I had to do. I had to, you know, just throw up the white flag and surrender. How did you know that? So how did you know Jesus was an option? Like, had you heard the gospel, grew up in church? Yes. My my mom and dad did take me to church growing up. They took me Wednesday night, Sunday night, Sunday morning, and uh, they were always real faithful in doing that. And uh, I was blessed with some really good parents. So, and I, I was saved at an early age. But I would say that during my teenage years, I veered way left of being right with God. Once you know, you can't go back to not knowing, and you can't just play dumb with God. Um, so I, I knew even even through all of the crazy things I did and the crazy places I would wind up, I knew it wasn't 
what God had planned for me. You know, this wasn't how it was supposed to all play out. And so during that time when I'm sitting on the couch and I got this moment of clarity in those three, it's like three endings to a book, which one you want to pick. And, and I knew, all right, well, that was the solution to every problem. It was number one, you know, get clean and and then turn your life over to God and and try it his way. Tab, you're um so you're on this path of positive thinking, Jesus loving you through some really good influences. Um, but OBC is kind of a part of kind of your upbringing too, right? So how'd you go from uh, that girl you described to a follower of Jesus? We grew up in church. I remember going every Sunday and until my parents split up when I was a freshman in high school. And so it was just me and my dad and it was no longer an every Sunday thing. So when I am in the 10th grade, no, 11th grade, um, and I began to be able to make the choice on my own, OBC was one of our fallback, um, churches that we would visit, um, whenever there was conflict in our past church. So, um, I knew what OBC was. Uh, we would come as a family, as a kid, and I remember really enjoying the seasons that we were here. And so um, it just so happens that Sandy also uh, came to OBC at the time, and I was really good friends with um, someone who was involved with youth at the time. So I would come with her and her family, and that would be my ride until I could drive myself um, and began to really grasp that um, there there was a God who had a son who died for me, and he loves me. Um, this sounds real positive. This is good. Like, thank you. <laughs> and um, then, um, because as a kid, it was more of that fear of, oh, where am I going after this? Like, And so uh, at 16, um, I understood that Jesus loved me and he died for me and was baptized here at OBC when I was 16. Um, And then my friend, her name was Stevie, um, gave me a Bible and on the front of it said, I'm no longer your best friend, Jesus is. But I didn't understand that. I I understood that um, Jesus died for me and he loved me. But how is he supposed to be my best friend? Because I was still wanting to, like, not be in touch with the reality. And so a lot of times you're, you know, when you have a close friend, you're real and raw and honest. And I was just not ready to fully surrender um, all of that yet. So um, that led to a journey of... um, a path uh, that led me further away from um, an intimate relationship with Jesus. Every time I would start to, I would run um, in the opposite direction because I wasn't ready to surrender all of that emotion yet. I would come and be engaged and um, listen and grasp get convicted and be like, okay, yeah, I'll come back in a few weeks, (laughs) um, give or take. And it was always my default whenever life got really hard. Um, okay. You know what? I knew where I needed to, um, find that realignment from. And, um, that was being in the church body, but wasn't reading my word, um, wasn't in the Bible daily, um, wasn't getting that weekly feeding that is so important in our faith relationship. I was just getting the Sunday morning doses, um, which is not adequate for our personal relationship with Jesus at all. And so um, it was that cycle that you hear a lot where, okay, I come on Sunday to get the fuel for the week, um, but that gets deplenished real fast if you're not in touch with reality. Tyler, how about you? How'd you go from converted to this guy shows up at Osborne? What was that like? You know, I had it was to the point where, you know, I was I was putting the pieces back together and had been clean a while and and I had started to reinvest in my relationship with God and 
and reconnect and it, and it felt good, you know, and and I became receptive to the idea of coming to church again. And I decided, you know, to do something a little different than what I was used to. And I show up here for the first time. I'm looking around and I see lights, I see smoke, and I see a bunch of people on stage. And I'm like, man, I feel like I'm at a rock concert. And then I heard what I liked. The worship was good. And then, you know, the second time I came, I was like, man, this this is good stuff. And this is not what I'm used to, and that's why I like it. All right, so did y'all two, y'all reconnect it? Because y'all knew each other in the past, but did y'all reconnect through OBC? So I was a single mom. I had um, literally found myself in, like, the darkest season of um, my life and— was pregnant and in like the most unhealthiest relationship that you could imagine and um at that time I I literally hit rock bottom and was in my bathroom floor and remember thinking okay I cannot positive think my way through this one um lord I need you and I it was the most simple prayer I was like lord I need your help to get out of this circumstance and situation. I cannot do this on my own. And um, so that was the first time that I ever genuinely felt the peace that surpassed understanding. And um, it was a slow, um, steady move um, constantly in the right direction and realignment with him and so Ella um, was born prematurely she was um, two months early and so not only am I a single mom um, but I have a premature baby and um, even then I knew okay I am making a decision to surrender um, this baby in this circumstance in this situation now I wish I could tell you that was a straight line but it was not um um but faster and faster I would um come to the realization of hey tab not only is it you but there's this child that you're responsible for and so I remember the second prayer vividly that was I mean this wasn't the only time I prayed but there this was the second pivotal prayer in my realignment with the Lord. And I said, okay, you know what? Ella and I are going to start coming to church on a regular basis. And I want to raise her in fear and admiration of you. And I know I can't do that on my own. I need healthy community to do that. And so we began to come faithfully every single Sunday. And I would see Tyler, but... I didn't engage. And so um, it was actually that very Christmas that Tyler sent me a Facebook message. He was like, I hope that you and Ella have a good Christmas. And we went on our first date that New Year's Day um, after Christmas, and we were married by that November of that year. You're coming to church, but it's still just kind of attending but later God works in both of you and kind of tell us about um, serving because that's something both of you have in common with your story, especially your OBC, how you really um, got plugged in. So I was the poster child of not feeling like I fit in. And it was not the environment. It was not uh, the people. It was uh, 100% me and and Satan, believing the lies of Satan, you know, that I didn't fit in. I wasn't like these people. I wasn't good enough. They hadn't been where I'd been, blah, blah, blah. And little, and I would tell Tabitha, I was like, look, you know, and like after service was over, I did not want to mingle in the lobby. Like, let's get out of here. I would get the look. And go home. I don't care. You're talking to your mama. My mama, it don't matter. Let's leave. <laughs> and so, and so, little by little, you know, I, I saw these, these are some good folks. But honestly, it wasn't until I started serving, parking cars in the parking lot. So how'd you get over that hump? I mean, how'd you go from, 
I don't fit here to, all right, I'll give parking a shot. We literally were um, on the way home after one of the services, and he was like, I could, it was one of those Sundays where it was like, it's time to go. And we're in the car, and he says, I just really, I just can't connect. We we don't have anything in common with anybody at the church. And we, we weren't in a group. We weren't serving. And both of us had totally um, had to strip away our set of friends because um, we were— you know, trying to realign ourselves with the Lord, which meant everybody around us thought we were insane. And so I can remember talking with him and praying, like, Tyler, we need friends who are also believers. So we began to pray, like, Lord, help us, you know, find friendship with those who think like us, that um, want to serve the Lord with our family and our kids. And um, that was one of the turning points. And that didn't come overnight either. It's it's like everything else in my life. I'm really hard-headed, and it's a slow process. It's like it, it takes a long time to seep in. And so there's a gap there. Yeah, David, David asked. Um, David Tuck. David Tuck. Shout out David Tuck. Yeah. No pressure. Future sent, guest on the podcast. <laughs> he sent an email um, and asked if I would be interested in leading a small group of um, girls. And later found out that I stood out to him because my hair was really bright blonde. And um, because of that, he said, oh, I think girls would really love to hang out with her. And she looks fun. And um, no, he said he had been praying and that the Lord had um, said, hey, ask her. And so I am literally at work, read this email and instantly think I am not the person that they want to lead their small group of girls. I do not know all the Bible stories that there are to know. I don't know anything to the point of um, what I felt like was adequate enough to be a small group leader. And the Lord quickly reminded me, Tab, this is not about you, and this is not about your ability. This is about you being a vessel for me to love these group of girls through you. And about the same time, Philip Rayburn was head of parking and said, hey, I need a parking guy. And Tyler, I think you should be the guy. And you can't really, you couldn't say no to Philip. So (laughs) that's hard. How long did you, how long did you serve in parking? I think that I lasted somewhere six, eight months. It took Rippy off in the parking squad. So next you you went from parking to elementary, right? I did. He's a scalper. He's, he's always, always recruiting. And uh, and he asked me, and I was a lot like Tabitha, you know, I was like, man, look, you got the wrong guy. You have no idea who you're talking to. And he was like, that means I got the right guy. So what grade were y'all's groups in when you started in elementary? My girls were in the third grade, and his boys were in the fourth grade. And they're in what grades now? Eighth. Eighth grade boys. And seventh grade girls. So take us there for a minute. There's, you know, tons of things you guys have been involved in and are involved in. And and, um, I think one thing that's really cool about our staff is um, our ministry here is not just what we're doing vocationally. And so... You guys are both serving as small group leaders in Switch. Um, what's that? What's that like? When you see a child in the in the third grade begin to grasp that God loves them and has a plan for them, and then you see that faith getting to be developed throughout each year, and you're with the same group and you can see the same God love each one of them exactly where they are, um, and to be able to be there with them and sometimes some of the hardest circumstances of their lives, um, I, I get to see the full circle. I'm like, Lord, whoa, I would not be able to relate to this young girl had I not experienced the hurt and pain that I tried to scoot past for so long. And because God invaded that area in my life, I now get to show him, hey, me too, I get it. 
here's what God did for me, and I promise you he's going to do the same thing for you. I love it when you see a young man come in and and you can tell that, you know, he doesn't have the nicest clothes, he doesn't have um, a current haircut, he doesn't have nice shoes or whatever, and he's kind of off by himself, and you get to go and pour into him and and talk to him and and let him know that uh, he matters and that you love him and that even more than that, God loves him. And to me, that is the best part about being a small group leader is every once in a while you'll get uh, a, a student and and it'll be you know, extra grace required or, or just a special circumstance and get an opportunity to pour into them. And, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't always go where, you know, you're sowing the seeds and you get to see the harvest, um, but it's not always designed to go that way. You know, it might be fruit that blossoms 20 years from now. You know, you never know. Life change happening in Switch. Shout out, future guests, no pressure, Ryan and Tiffany Murphy. Yes. <laughs> and Tyler, I want to encourage you because I feel like you not only do that with your small group, I think you make anyone you come in contact with feel that way. I mean, that's Jesus, you know, your your humility, you let people in, you make them feel um, like they're important. And so I just... I'm, I'm blushing. Thanks, Lord. <laughs> No, you really do. You really do. So one of the things that stands out to us about you guys that I thought was interesting because you guys didn't bring it up when we were talking about this is your heart for missions, more specifically global missions. And so what's the stat? You guys have each been on a global, uh, international mission trip in the last two years. So tell us about that. How's that happen? So you're in, what's it called? Micro, you're in micro homestead season of life. It's kids running around everywhere, jobs. Uh, how, 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 do you, how do you guys find the place? find the priority, go across the world to share the gospel. I can remember Tyler saying um, just out of the blue one day, like, I know God has more. Like, I I know I'm supposed to be doing more. And it was a little while after that, Pastor Steve had mentioned from the stage that um, there was a Uganda mission trip coming up. And I just had this feeling Tyler, Tyler is supposed to go on that trip, but I said nothing. And so we, we go to the car and I said, so when anything was said about that mission trip, did, what did you think? He was like, nothing. How does she know what I'm thinking? (laughs) And so I got, it was a, just happened. It was the year that I got two weeks vacation. I was like, all right, God, you know, I would love to use this week to hunt all week long or do all kinds of things that I want to do and serve myself. And I felt burdened about it, you know, and I was like, you know, but I'm going to give the week to you and I'm going to go on a mission trip. The next the next time it popped up, well, that's my cue, you know. And so that was like in November and then February I'm on a plane. And look, I had only flown once prior to this to Nashville and back. I'm one of these guys. I grew up in the southeastern United States. I love North Carolina. I love the Piedmont region of North Carolina. And I don't care to go anywhere else. <laughs> just just being honest. And then we get on this international flight. It's like this double-decker plane. First class ain't even up front. It's upstairs. <laughs> I'm like, golly. And I'm like surrounded with people of all kinds of nationalities and like I'm the minority and then we we land in Dubai and you know the men wear these dress looking things and they all have the turbans and and they were looking at me really funny in that moment I I realized that like I was I was the minority and and I was able to experience firsthand what it felt like 
for like minorities in the United States, you know, and, and appreciate and have some compassion for their point of view on things. And so we go walk through villages and speak with different people and lead some people to the Lord in Uganda. And it was so amazing to see these people live so simply and depend on God for their daily bread and every other need they have on a daily basis. It's just a total worldview changer. Had you guys already kind of determined before Tyler went that like both you guys were going to do this? No, absolutely not. He came back and I remember like this feeling of like, man, he just had this like life altering experience that I have no idea how to relate to. I have no idea what he experienced or I'm happy for him. And I love the fact that he got to experience God and the way that he did. But I I can't relate. I, I don't know what to compare that to. So it was never really on our radar at all for me to go anywhere or us to go anywhere again. And to fast forward a couple of years, I was actually having a conversation with Ronnie about an upcoming event. So he was joking about hope giving, which is which was the Thanksgiving food for Rockingham Hope. He said hope giving, not to be confused with hope givers. Um, he said because we're going to talk about hope givers coming up, um, we have a mission trip coming up. And it was that same type of catch your attention kind of moment. And I was like, when? He was like, February. And I was like, oh. And I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything to Tyler, which is not like me. Usually I'm like the first one to say anything about anything. (laughs) And so I didn't say anything. I was actually in connection group the next Thursday. We were doing OBC We. And one of the sessions, it was talking about I, we, he, and what area have you not invested in or that you could use growth in? And so I was like, circle, circle, circle. Me and my achieved mentality was real proud, except for the missions. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, and and Lord, you, you just brought that to my attention. And then I went through every reason why that was not feasible for our family and for just life in general. So I remember sharing that with the group. I was like, yeah, I mean, I, it really caught my attention when Ronnie mentioned that we were going to India in February. But, and just started listing all the reasons. And instantly, each one of the women sitting around my kitchen table were like, I'll feed your family. I'll take your kids to school. I'll do this. And Christina Davis looks at me, who ended up going to India too, says, well, it sounds like you just need to let the church be the church. And I had no other choice but to have a conversation with Tyler. And so I like was very timid. I don't know why. I was like, hey, so, um, and I tell him the whole drawn out story. And uh, per usual in his humble self was like, okay, we'll do whatever the Lord wants us to do. And global missions, um, if you ever need reminded how small you are and how big God is, you need to go on a global mission trip because the same God that loves us on this side of the world is the same God that loves your brothers and sisters in Christ on the other side of the world. And there is nothing that can, um, compare to not being able to even understand what a fellow believer is saying because of the language barrier, but the joy of the Lord in them meets the joy of the Lord in you, and instantly you are connected with them. And I just can't help but to compare that to what heaven is going to be like when we see every tribe, tongue, and nation serving the Lord for the rest of our days, and that in itself is, okay, when are we going again? Hmm. Amen. You have the I component checked, the we, the he. You've got all the boxes checked. So um, how is Jesus, so he's changed a lot of what, you know, you're doing. How's he changed you personally, your heart? Well, there's so many things that he works on me, you know, one thing at a time. And, you know, there's there's no way that I could have compassion for people and feel you know, with them and and love on them, and especially people that might be hard to love, you know, and, you know, people that are not believers and that are really challenging personalities, 
trying to meet them where they are and not lose your temper and not write them off and and still trying to give them grace and and love on them in the process and and leave them with an impression that you know what I want them to know they can talk to me if the door is ever open you know and and I'm approachable and instead of letting them know what I think about them 100% of the time or you know 10% of the time whatever there's there's no way that I could have any kind of patience with people or my family, you know, and there's no way that I could be humble, you know, because if, if it weren't for Jesus, then I would still be trying to put on this mask and this costume and and look like this tough guy that I never was. He took a hopeless dope fiend and transform me into a dopeless hope fiend. That's the Jesus change. Um, the more intimate that I become in my relationship with the Lord, the more that I realize that I can bring every single thought and emotion and reaction to Him, and He is going to... Um, invade every area of my heart and my mind and my soul so that my actions and interactions and reactions reflect him on an everyday basis. That doesn't mean that I get that right. But um, instead of waking up thinking, okay, where are the winds going to sell me in life today? It's now, okay, Lord, I know that you have a plan and you have a purpose today. And whatever that looks like, live it out through me. I am surrendering today. Speaking of change, Tab, you mentioned earlier that your hair color um, was what got you recruited to serve in kids' <laughs> ministry. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, how often do how often do you change <laughs> like your hair color? A trick question. Yeah, it is a little I bit. Actually I actually have hair color sitting out because it's time. <laughs> how do we know it's time? Now, okay, this is something I've never. I don't know that I've ever brought up. Like I don't think I've. I don't think I've ever talked about this. I try not to be the person that's like, "Oh, you changed your hair color, and why'd you do it, and all that kind of stuff." Um, <laughs> So so how do you know it's time? Like when is it time to change your hair color? You know, I have. Um, observed a pattern. Anytime there's any kind of shift or change in my life, it's executed creatively um, through my hair. (laughs) Um, So the reason, though, um, is that uh, I just, I have this creativity in me that just needs an outlet. And right now, it just happens to be only my head because I used to do lots and lots of um, heads in cosmetology for 10 years yes and I was one of those heads yes oh so since we're talking about deep change are you still bitter about the whole tabs not doing hair thing anymore I resented (laughs) Jason a tiny bit I was so excited for Tabitha but there was a little resentment yeah, so Lori was one of one of Tab's clients. Yes. And when she started when she came on staff and was not gonna be at the salon anymore, I, I think there were days Lori cared more about that than the work <laughs> of the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> there really was a lot of things that uh that God was teaching you, a lot of skills and gifts that uh he was giving you and you were using that uh would eventually be uh, helpful in what you're doing now, all right? Yes, so that journey in itself is um, amazing to look back and see. So I was in um, the salon for 10 years. Um, The first half of that was, or the first few years as a single mom, um, I was building my career as a single mom and knew I needed supplement um, income. So that's when I started to dabble into network marketing. It was a good... Um, side income that I could do at my own pace and my own hours. For the first um, main part of my salon career, I would network and do hair at the same time. So whatever product I was selling at the time, um, I would come into the day knowing, okay, here's the goal um, that I want to meet today or by the end of the week. And so I need to saturate conversation around this product. And so I would do that by um, 
of course, asking the person how their day was and then um, talk about how these products um, were changing my life. Um, I remember there was a specific night when um, I was digging into the scripture that talks about delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And it was just mind blowing about how, um, that did not mean that it would be my desires that I felt I needed or deserved that it was, um, the desires of the Lord that would be embedded in my heart. The, the closer I got with him, um, or the closer I, um, grew with him. And so on that specific day, um, or that night I knew, oh, um, Lord, there's, there's desires that I have that I know don't align with you. And please show me what that is. And please show me what that looks like. And the first thing that pops to mind was network marketing. And I was like, oh, oh, that's a big chunk of money. <laughs> um, how do you want me to align this with you? What do you, what do you want this to look like? And I just remember the next thought being, do exactly what you're doing. Just replace those products with me. And so I go in the salon next day and I'm like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, wait a second. Okay, so that means my conversation isn't going to be about the product and how it changed my life. It's going to be about you, and I don't know why this scares me so much more than talking about these products. So um, little by little, um, the conversation went from, hey, these products to, oh, man, like, here's what the Lord is doing in my life, or here's what he taught me in my Bible reading time this morning, or here's what I'm praying about, or here's how the Lord has invaded this area of my life. And I quickly... Um, became the girl who talked about Jesus all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So then, um, yes, that has um, so many of those um, abilities and things that I learned in network marketing, I'm able to use now in coordinating events and being able to meet people where they are. It's just flipped upside down. It's, it's not the whole um, sorry, all my fellow network marketers, that whole pyramid scheme of like you're at the top and you get a bunch of people working under you so that you can make more and more and more. Take that triangle and flip it upside down and that's network marketing for the gospel. And you're at the bottom and you're building people up and up and up and up and up until you've worked um, to allow Jesus to work in and through um your gifts and abilities and it has blown me away how God has literally taken that one night and transferred. I mean, I mean, that was a couple of years in between, um, that flip and Jason saying, Hey, you want to join the discipleship team? Oh, and how did that conversation go? Um, Tyler, when Tab came home and said, Hey, <laughs> thinking about working at the church. Well, as I recall, uh, Jason had given me a heads up, and he asked oh. my thoughts on it, and and I was like, you know, absolutely. That there's nothing, there's nothing I would like for her more than to engage in uh, something to serve the Lord more, and and so I, I already knew about it, and I knew she was going to get asked about it, and so I was ready. <laughs> And it's one of the only, like, secrets I've ever been able to keep. <laughs> and um, and so she she texts me, and she's like, oh, my gosh, guess what? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, uh, and she tells me, and, like, I, I swing by the Dollar Tree, and I got some of them <laughs> confetti poppers and stuff this like guy, that. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Man, popped it. <laughs> She walked in with this brother. confetti, and and we just celebrated, man, yeah. because it was it's a big deal, you know. It's something she had wanted for a while, and it's something that uh, um, just it's just a beautiful thing to be a part of. It was it was cool because he could see the um, that flip 
Um, cause he, he was ever so patient in my like long hours of network marketing and salon hours and that kind of thing. And I remember the first few times that I was just volunteering, helping Jason with extra things, um, group wise and that kind of thing. And Tyler would text me and be like, how's it going? And I'm like, man, I wish this was my job. This is so cool. (laughs) Oh, this is so fun. And then for that one thought to actually come into a real thing was like, man, man, God, you, you know, every thought, um, mm-hmm. and desire. Well, it's a re- super real thing now. So fast forward a little <laughs> bit. It's, uh, it's events and groups coordinator, and we do not have, uh, any lack of events or groups. And so that all, uh, there's tons of things that, uh, come under kind of your responsibility here so man what's that like behind the scenes like what to tell our listeners man what what does it mean to be uh, doing what you do every day at OBC my favorite part about what I get to do is I get to sit with each ministry leader when there's an event coming up I get to listen to their heart their passion their vision and basically um organize it all so um it's it's so fun to get the behind the curtain scene of um, the hearts of the staff here and um, how they genuinely want to serve the Lord in everything that they do. And so um, I love collaboration and verbal processing, and I get to do a whole lot of that <laughs> and learn about lots of um techie things like Trello and Airtable that I never thought I would get excited about um, to organize those things. But um, even right now in this um, COVID season and um, getting to coordinate what we're doing at the outdoor service for Sundays right now, um, you get to see the church being the church and everyone working together to um, accomplish the goal, which is to serve the Lord and um, allow his work to be done in and through um, our everyday life. And so I'm blown away by the conversations and the work that we get to do and um, just to be a part of um, the bigger picture of God and his church. So Tyler, what's it like being a ministry husband? Well, at first, you know, it was kind of a running joke that I was going to go to the the ministry wife support group. <laughs> and, Is there uh, one? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, man, it, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of, not only because I know that that's my opportunity to serve God and our family and, you know, just doing what I can do for the kids and and at home when she's got to work long hours or an event or this or that and and it it's cool that because when you're doing God's will you know there's just that joy that comes along with it and don't get me wrong you know it's, it's not always peace love and joy at home <laughs> with the kids but but there is a deep sense of satisfaction knowing that you know that's my mission role at the moment and and knowing that I can serve her, the kids and God at the same time and and she does a great job at setting me up for success when I'm filling in those gaps too, you know. She she's the the superhero, you know. She can do all those things here and then you know, make it dummy proof for me at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so one of these uh, kind of catchphrases we've been throwing around here um, a little bit lately is uh, small town, big God. Um, Tab, what is it, like your kind of specific view and what you see, um, man, how is God doing what he's doing through um, events and groups and volunteers. Um, how's this happening in Eden, North Carolina? Man, um, it's hard to put into words. When you have a church body who 
person after person after person after person has had that same heart surrender to God, your will be done um, in and through what I do every day. Um, you see a big body of people in a very small town surrendered to the Lord. It can't help but to be big. Um, and it is so mind-blowing to see the sovereignty of God's hand um, all the way through my life into now and to have seen all that God and His sovereignty has done in and through OBC throughout the years. Um, Even as a young girl, being able to see that progress into now and never did I think as a young girl that I would be able to be a part of what God is doing here. Okay, Tyler, if people are going to remember one thing about your story, what's it going to be? Hopefully somebody somewhere would hear this that might be struggling and might be the man or woman, girl, boy, that feels like that they're too far gone, that they've done too much, that the shame's too great, they don't fit in, and just remind them that None of that matters. God's always there with open arms. And and that was definitely my experience is, you know, God never not once turned his back on me, but I turned my back on him. And there's nothing that can separate us from God's love. In Romans 8, 38, 39, Paul tells us, you know, that height, depth, angels, demons, nothing out there can separate us from the love of Christ. And that's what I would want people to take away. No matter how jacked up you feel, it doesn't matter. Like, this is home. This is the last house on the block. So what about you, Tab? What would you say would be your one thing you want people to, to think about when they think of your story? If there were one thing that you could remember from this podcast, it would be that God does not want your accomplishments. He doesn't want your achievements, and He doesn't want what you can bring to the table. He just wants you. And um, when you realize that, then you are able to live freely in the grace and the mercy that He gives us every single morning. So this has been... A blast. Um, We love you guys, and we are very thankful for um, all God is doing in your life and through you. And uh, we're very thankful that you took a little bit to uh, share it with with us on the podcast today. So we've had a really good time, and uh, we're very thankful that that you did this. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We love you guys back. Thank you for listening to I, We, He at OBC. To learn more about our church, you can check us out at osbornebaptist.com. Maybe during this episode, you thought about taking another step in your faith journey. We'd love to hear about it. Send me an email to jbarrow at osbornebaptist.com. Please be sure to share this podcast on all your social media platforms. Until next time, church family, keep helping people love Jesus and everyone else.